welcome to Science is Fun E. I am your host, Private, a.k.a. Avery Adams. I am 10 years old and currently in the 5th grade. Joining me today is Skipper, a.k.a. Craig, who is a 68-year-old fossil. Hey, not funny, Private. Kind of funny, Skip. Skipper, I saw a scary movie about vampires. They were horrible. They snuck into a woman's bedroom at night and drank her blood. I was so scared, I didn't sleep all night. Could vampires be real? You mean people vampires that can only live at night and sunlight kills them, but otherwise they can only be killed by silver bullets and they're afraid of crosses and, oh yeah, they live forever? You mean those vampires? Nope, not a chance. Wait, you said people vampires. There are animal vampires? No way! Well, if you're talking about animals that drink blood, then yes. There's a bat that lives in South America. It lands on cattle at night and makes a cut in their hide and drinks their blood. Guess what it's called? G-O. Hmm? The vampire bat? Yep, good guess. <laughs> then there are ticks, mosquitoes, black flies, lice, leech, and fleas. All those drink blood, too. But unlike human vampires in the movies, they don't live forever, and you don't need sunlight or a silver bullet or a wooden stake to kill them. And as far as I know, unless you're trying to squash them with it, they're not afraid of crosses either. So where do the stories of people vampires come from? Okay, time for some research. So what did your research tell you about the origins of human vampires? I found that a long time ago, people believed that there was something called a vital force that was in blood. They believed that it was the vital force that kept people alive. Well, I can see where they would get that idea. They would have seen people and animals die who had lost too much blood. And without knowing how blood really worked, they came to the conclusion that there was something in blood that kept people and other living things alive. Yeah, it does kind of make sense when you think about it. Hey, here's another thing that at the time makes sense and is wrong, like that Van Helmet guy a few episodes back. So it's not a vital force. But um, how does blood really work to keep us alive? You see, blood is a mixture of many different things. There are three kinds of cells that are floating around in it, and there are many types of proteins and minerals and nutrients found in it too. Do you remember what proteins are, don't you? Of course, they're what all living things are made of. They make muscles and skin and stuff, and they make things happen inside of our cells. Wow, you have a great memory. Anyway, back to blood. So what do you think happened? Oh, I think I see now. People back then didn't know all this stuff about blood and what it does to keep us alive, so they made up that thing called a vital force to explain why they didn't know. Old people are always making things up to explain what they don't know. Kind of like you. Hey, it's not just old people who make stuff up. I've heard kids like you and your sister make up some crazy stuff, too. Anyway, you're right. That was great deductive reasoning, Private. So tell me more about vampires. Early stories about vampires told of people who were dead but still walked around. It was claimed that they would visit relatives and cause a lot of problems in the places they used to live. Skip, could that really happen? No, it's not possible, Private. What? Why? Okay, I'll tell you, but it's not pretty. You see, when the heart stops pumping blood... All that great stuff that's in the blood can't get to the cells, and the cells can't live too long without them. So they begin the process of dying. Why? See, without the oxygen carried by the red blood cells and the glucose sugar found in the blood fluid, a person's cells can't make ATP. And without ATP, the cells can't live. Brain cells use more ATP than any other cells, so within 15 minutes they begin to die. Muscle cells need ATP to stay loose, so without ATP your muscles stiffen up, and then they die too. And on and on and on. That's kind of creepy. 
Yeah, and it doesn't take long before all the cells and the organs that make them up are gone. So you see, a dead person can't walk around because everything that they need to walk around, like a brain, muscles, heart, lungs, and blood, they're all gone. It would be like taking the motor, gas, steering wheel, and wheels off a car and then have someone say they saw that car driving around town. It just can't happen. Okay, so if it's not possible, then the only thing left is that the people who said they saw it really saw something else. But what did they really see? Rivet, I don't know what they saw, but just because someone doesn't know doesn't mean that something impossible, like vampires, monsters, ghosts, are real. It just means we don't have enough information to know for sure what it was. We just know what it wasn't. Okay, I get it. No vampires. Wait, so does that mean no zombies either? There's got to be zombies. Nope, afraid not. No zombies either, Private. Mm. You'll learn pretty soon that there's enough in the world already to be afraid of without making up fake stuff. You know, if someone's walking around weird-like, it's probably because that person is sick. There's something wrong with them. They need help from people, not for people to scream and run away. All right, all right. I'm not going to be afraid of zombies and vampires anymore. I do have a question, though. You said that the red blood cells carry oxygen. How do they do that? Do they have little fingers that grab the oxygen or baskets full of oxygen they carry around? I don't get it. Wow, you are a curious one. I love that about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just tell me already, Skip. (laughs) Okay, but we are straying from the topic. No, they don't have little fingers or a basket full of oxygen. It's better than that. They have iron. Iron? Like the iron frying pan my dad makes pancakes in? I love pancakes. Oh, great. Now I'm hungry for pancakes. Maybe later, Private. And yes, like the iron used to make that frying pan. It's an important element because it rusts. Huh? Isn't rusting bad? My dad hates it when its tools get all rusty. Yeah, rusting is bad when it happens to tools and cars. What is rusting, anyway? Rusting occurs when iron and water react with oxygen. See, the iron attracts the oxygen and forms a compound called iron oxide. Iron oxide isn't like iron. It's not strong, and it has a reddish-orange color. So for things made of iron that need to be strong, yeah, rust is bad. But it's great when it happens in red blood cells. Why is it great when it happens in blood? First, the iron is found in the middle of a protein called hemoglobin. The red color of blood is from the iron. And second, and most importantly, when the iron is near oxygen, like when the blood circulates in the lungs, the oxygen is attracted to the iron. Cool. So now the red blood cells have the oxygen. How do the cells get the oxygen if they're stuck to the iron and the red blood cells? That is the awesomest part. See, the iron is in the middle of the hemoglobin molecule, and the globin protein that surrounds it stops the oxygen from getting all the way to the iron and forming rust. So, the red blood cells use the iron to attract the oxygen. So, how do they let the oxygen go once they're near the cells? And by the way, I don't think awesomest is a word skipper. I just made it up, so it must be. But do you remember carbon dioxide? One, I don't think you're right about awesomest. And two, isn't that what the cells make when they make ATP? Yeah, that's right. So when carbon dioxide leaves the cells, you see, it hits the red blood cells that are carrying the oxygen. And that knocks some of the oxygen off, which then goes inside the cell to the mitochondria, which uses it to make more ATP. Hey, that's a pretty cool way to do it. Yep, and it's worked for many millions of years. So Skipper, do plants use ATP too? Yes, every cell uses it for power, even plants. But don't plants get their energy from the sun? Hmm, that's a tricky one. The answer is yes and no. There you go again!
again. How can the answer be yes and no at the same time? It makes no sense. <laughs> Calm down. You see, it's all in how you look at it. Plants use molecules called chlorophyll to capture the sun's energy, and then they use that energy to break carbon dioxide and water into carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen atoms. Then they use those atoms to make glucose sugar to store up the energy for when they need it. And they also use it to make other stuff the plant needs, too. So the plants use the carbon dioxide we throw away? Yeah, they do. So how does the chlorophyll thingy work? Well, chlorophyll is a molecule similar to hemoglobin in our blood. Really? But our blood is red, Skipper, not green. Get your facts straight. <laughs> My facts are straight, and it's true. The iron atom in the center of the hemoglobin molecule makes our red blood cells bright red. But in the center of the chlorophyll molecule is an atom of magnesium, and that makes chlorophyll reflect green light that we see. Doesn't the plant use the green light? Nope. Plants actually use the red and blue-violet light that helps them make glucose for the plant. Both hemoglobin and chlorophyll are molecules called chelates. Chelates are a very important kind of molecule that is found in living things. So how did all this plant and animal thing happen anyway? Well, you remember we talked about this uh, before and talked about how we eat and breathe for the mitochondria in our cells. Yeah, you said the mitochondria were once a separate living thingy, but a long time ago a larger cell ate one, but it kept it alive inside itself instead of breaking it up for food. Right. It's what scientists call symbiosis. Once it was inside that cell, it made lots more ATP than it needed for itself. So the big cell protected the little mitochondria, and in turn, the little mitochondria gave the bigger cell its leftover ATP. They both got something out of that deal. I get it. It worked out great. And that cell with its little mitochondria is where all the larger living things came from. Even the plants? Yep, even the plants. See, millions of years later, one of those cells with the mitochondria in it ate another tiny living thing. This time, that living thing contained the information on how to make a molecule called chlorophyll. And all the green plants today came from the symbiosis that the two cells produced. Wow, what was it like? You see, this cell, instead of having to get food like animal cells do, it could make its own food using chlorophyll and the carbon dioxide, water, and sunlight. That is so cool. I wish I could make my own food. You can. And while you're at it, make me a tuna sandwich, too. Not funny, Skipper. That's not what I meant, and you know it. <laughs> I think it's very funny, Private. But wait, there's more. When they created the glucose molecules, they also released lots and lots of oxygen into the air. Wasn't that a good thing? We need oxygen, right? Not for the living things that were alive at that time. To them, oxygen was poisonous, and it killed off most of them. So by releasing huge amounts of oxygen, the green plants changed everything on the Earth. How did they change everything? I said it killed off most of the cells. There were some cells that could live with the oxygen, and then some of those cells eventually evolved to use the oxygen. And it's those cells that we came from. What do they use it for? They used it to get more energy that's in that glucose molecule they stole from the plants. See, using oxygen gave those living things huge advantages over the ones that couldn't use oxygen. I know we talked about this before, but how did using oxygen give them an advantage? Using oxygen allowed the mitochondria to make nine times more ATP than without using it. So with nine times more energy, living things could go faster, be stronger, and go longer without having to eat. Cool. Wait, so if we go back far enough, all the animals and plants came from one cell? And so does that make us related to the plants? Yep. Weird. Yay evolution. Yay science. You got that right, Private. And a big shout out goes to Thomas for this week's topic.
Thanks, Thomas, and keep on listening. That's our podcast for this week. Come back next time for another episode of Science is Fun E. Oh, and don't forget to visit our website at www.scienceisfune.com or listen on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, or just search for Science is Fun E in the podcast section of your favorite podcast app. To suggest possible topics for upcoming episodes, email topics at sciencesfunee.com. And remember, you could win a Science is Fun E t-shirt if you send in a suggestion and we use it in an episode. You can email me at private at sciencesfune.com or skipper at sciencesfune.com. I'm private, aka Avery Adams, hoping you have a great week. TTFN.